Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 12 gauge and the Bring the Pain. Yeah. How you doing, Rocky? Man, I'm doing awesome. How about you? Oh, man, I'm jacked up like a jackrabbit. Two days of wrestling? I mean, come on, man. What one more could we want? Yeah, right. I mean, it's something that having SummerSlam, and uh, I had uh, a local show yesterday, and man, it's just been, and I will tell you what, the local show I went to yesterday, uh, KLT, the booking was phenomenal for that, that night. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, some of the guys in Georgia here, but um, we had Skrilla the Great and Kyle Matthews uh, tie up in an opening match, and man, it was, it probably should have been on SummerSlam. Okay, okay. You know, that's the thing about indie is there's so much going on. Like when we, we've briefly talked about it too up here in Erie, we have PWR and then we have Revenge Pro, which is kind of like their own little thing. And they all do these, they like go to Cleveland and wrestle and you can see it on their Facebooks because I know a few of the guys and it's, it's definitely huge. But no, I'm down for watching any kind of show. So when you tell me that you have a promotion and you're wrestling and you sent me a couple of videos and I, I was sitting there with the wife having some beers, and I was like, look, look. I was like, let's do some wrestling. I'm just a point fighter. Yeah. Uh, and I understand that as a person. Um, so I come back. I come from a uh, Jeep Kondo uh, background, and we. I was taught by a Green Beret. So I was taught more in the self-defense line than um, I tried. When I was really young, I tried to get into point fighting. But since I was taught mm -hmm. self-defense fighting, I, I kept getting more disqualifications than I did anything else. <laughs> they were like, can't do that. <laughs> you got to know the rules. I got disqualified. Yeah. I mean, they always tell us as like a part of our team because the team I, I fight for is TKO Erie. We have a lot. We have an MMA group now. We have a kickboxing group and we do all this stuff. But my sensei, uh, Master Arrington, he has been around. He's in the Karate Hall of Fame. He was originally taught by Billy Blanks up here because Billy's yeah, from here. Okay. So really likes. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, when we did this little show a couple of years ago, uh, right after COVID, the lockdown and everything, and they brought Billy in. It was really cool. I got to meet him, you know, years after watching him and back in action with Rowdy Rowdy Piper, man. I was right. like, I never thought I would meet him because even though he was in my own city, I didn't I've never met him. Yes. So, um, that's you, Rowdy Rowdy Popper. You know, you know, the first thing that came to mind when you said that <laughs> is I'm here to chew bubble gum and kick ass, but I'm all out of bubble gum. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta say, him and Billy and back in action was hilarious. There's this, like, we were sitting there, me and my buddies, we just rent movies and just watch them, and we're all sitting there, have sipping some back and. There's this like point where like Billy Blanks is literally kicking everybody's ass, and, and it just goes on. And we're all like, "Hey, nobody's getting beat up." And literally, it's that scene where he pops over the fence in his head, and we're like, "Oh, never mind, somebody's getting out." <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, good times, man. Yeah, but that's what yeah. we do. You got to watch for those rules. You got to you know fight. You got to fight with form. I that's how I got disqualified. The karate president or whatever literally stepped up, took my place away from me, moved me down, and goes, no form. And that was only my second tournament anyway. Now that's, now that's you know, a year later. That's a different story now. Yeah. 
I hear you. Yeah. Uh, so so tell so tell us uh, for, so for my audience, like, this is their first time meeting you. So, <laughs> uh, and then for your audience, first time meeting me, obviously. Uh, and I think that's going to be fun for both of us. Uh, I've listened to your podcast. I love the energy. Um, and so I think, I think we'll have a lot of like audience. So, so tell us a little bit about, I was going to say, I love your podcast as well too. I've listened to each one of your episodes and you bring the same kind of energy. So go on. Uh, so, so give us some history, kind of tell us about, uh, yourself. Uh, you said, we obviously know that there's some martial arts background and, um, and your love for the sport and what brought you into the podcasting podcasting actually. So years, years, years ago, there's, I started listening to Sirius XM fantasy because I play fantasy football and there was this guy that would call in every once in a while or they would have him call in and his name was Dr. Roto. And I just always loved his takes. He always just was a really cool dude. Well, eventually they gave Dr. Roto his own show. So when he got his own show, I started calling in and started like making myself aware. And then they finally put him on with another guy called Tommy G at midnight with this other guy called the Big Chi. And from midnight till 2 a.m. every night, Monday through Friday, me and my wife would sit there and listen to them do crazy things. I would call into Sirius XM Fantasy Live. And I can't tell you what happened half the time. The radio would break. The lines would go dead. They would go dead on the air. There was so much insanity. I'm passing the phone off. And from there, I forged that friendship with Dr. Roto. And it wasn't, there was a skit on there that for 60 seconds, whatever fantasy player failed us that week, I was to bring the pain on. And that's it all started. Cool, cool. Um, well, uh, I know, so we both just got finished watching between yesterday and today, SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me, can you give me your overview, your thoughts on the show so far? So, I mean, we can wait for the ratings at the end, but I didn't mind SummerSlam at first. I thought that they did use all their juice at the beginning, kind of running out Logan Paul with Ricochet and then Brock and Cody kind of giving you this like huge pop. And then they kind of take it down. They give you that LA night afterwards. And then, you know, we were literally talking a few seconds ago about then came with the confusing match of Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey. And then you still got to love the Gunther match, but even that match was kind of slow. So that's where it got real slow. And then of course led into Rollins and Balor. And then that's where kind of it peaked. And then from there it kind of just fell off and then you had the ending. Did you feel the same? Yeah, I did. I think that was a very accurate representation of what I felt. Um, Cause you do kind of want a roller coaster up, but you want to, you want the, the peaks to be there. Uh, and the dips to be very small and noticeable. I mean, they're there, but just enough to give you a break for a second. You ride your emotion right back up. And uh, it, it was an awkward layout because, I mean, honestly, again, if, if going back, as I would have said my, as I said earlier, um, Seth Rollins and Finn Balor, I don't know who would have wanted to follow that match. I mean, yeah. you know, even, even the Bloodline storyline, which has been an epic storyline, uh, yeah. told through this time, 
you know, that was such, that match, it would have been like trying to follow Shawn Michaels in one of his big matches. You you just don't want to be that person. No, you can't. It's too hard. And you hear about that on on different podcasts by different wrestlers that they talk about how sometimes it's hard to follow. Like, everybody's sales were let out. And that's something you just brought up right there because at the end of that pay-per-view, there were people yawning. And it wasn't because they were tired or they didn't want to see any more wrestling or that Roman Reigns and Jey Uso wasn't captivating. It was because, man, they had all their energy just straight drained out. I only, in my opinion, I would have started with Brock and Cody, just straight up, why not? Because usually they do like to start with Brock. And then I would have threw in Logan Paul and Ricochet, right, maybe between the Shayna and Rousey match and Gunther match. And then you would have, after Gunther, you would have had Rollins. So you have that big peak, and then you would have had the, the Battle Royal, and then you would have got Baszler and Rousey. Then you get Ricochet, Logan Paul, then you get the little slap fest that happened with Drew McIntyre and Gunther, which we, we, when we get to these, when we start talking about some of these matches, people got to start giving Gunther some damn respect. Oh, yeah, he's a beast. I mean, yeah. um, I mean, I, you know, obviously I've been chopped before and oh. I, and I've never. Enjoyed it, and I, I could just see one. If I was him, and I saw him walking toward me to chop. I just dropped down the turnbuckle. And I, <laughs> I'm like anything to get away from what I've saw him put on people. And I don't care, you know. Everyone has their philosophy. Was wrestling's fake? I can guarantee you that if you ever take a wrestler's chop, you, you'll never say that again. No, and so, no. <laughs> I've never taken one. Actually, that's just something that just hasn't happened. Like happened, even though I know wrestlers. I was in a movie with these wrestlers, same wrestlers. It's like yeah. no one's just been like, hey, "Rob, take your shirt off and let me slap you." Like, <laughs> it's just one of those things, you know. Well, you, I mean, we don't you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed at the people that will you know, come at comic cons and stuff like that, and they'll ask you to chop them. They'll want to take their shirt off, and so um, you know, a lot of the smarter wrestlers will first videotape them saying, "You will not hold me responsible if you." have to go to the emergency room or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. Because then, 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 then blood bursts start happening. Like what was oh, happening yeah. on Drew's chest last night. It was just literally never ever. It, it just, it's just crazy. And, and I see it. Uh, one of the guys that I do follow because, you know, Sirius XM, you know, busted open radio. I'm always listening to Dave LaGreca. And I remember the first time he got chopped. I think the first time he got chopped was by Larry Dallas. I could be wrong, but I know he's had he's gotten chopped by you know quite a few other other people since then. I want to say that was one of the few ones. I could be, don't hold me to it though. But it was funny when yeah. that went down. <laughs> yeah, in in my one of my earlier in Granny's my first uh, battle royal, I got in there and a uh, one of the vets had threw me in the turnbuckle. He pulled my shirt up over my head so I couldn't see it coming. So, but I knew it was. I knew what was about to happen, and I will tell you what I was like. I mean, it lit me up. It was. It was like the best wake up call you could get for the evening because um, I was wide awake after that. <laughs> I, I bet. I mean, I've had some. I've had some punches, missed the pads, and uh, this one. This one mom that was coming there for a minute, she like literally just missed it. It wailed me right. 
in my rib, and I was just like, "Ouch!" Like, and I know that that's <laughs> kind of a different thing, but that that's definitely got to be around the same lines of like, you didn't see it coming, and then uh, bam, yeah. it's, it's right there. So yeah, yeah. So let's 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 pop into this. Like, so we'll just start it right off. Ricochet versus Logan Paul. Did you think that Logan Paul was going to go over, or did you have hope for Ricochet? I kind of felt that Logan Paul, would, after he's lost a few, I figured they'd mm. kind of give him his uh, props at this point. But um, I was kind of disappointed in how he did it. I, I don't really understand the use of the gimmick of his the brass ducks along with his metal hand that he already has. Yeah, I kind of thought I kind of thought that was too much. Yeah, um, and so, but but other than that. Um, but I would have, I would have probably liked to saw, you know, maybe something happened with Ricochet's girl that got him a little distracted, and then he, you know, he snuck in on on him. But um, uh, th- that was the only thing that I disliked about it was the gimmick part of it. Yeah, I, you know, and you just said that right there. What was like when he, when that whole brass knuckle thing happened? We we just all sat around that room and we're just like, wait a minute, what? What? Why? It doesn't make sense. Like he hasn't been known to use them, so here we are in this weird situation where he's using them. And like when you brought in his girlfriend and a situation like that, that that should have been something where he caught him off guard, hit him, was able to throw him back in the ring, and then maybe finish him off from there. But, you know, brass knuckles. Here we go. Yeah. Well, because they and they built that whole he had the metal screws in his hand with the whole Roman Reigns. Thing, how he, you know, he, he hit you with that hand, he can knock you out because he had metal yeah. in it. And so I'm like, you just wasted exactly. all of that that you told the, that you told that story already before. So that that mm-hmm. would have been it, as it far just, as co- uh, continuity, I would just go. Yeah, um, it's you're 100 percent right on that. And so, so um, let's move uh, it. So, so did you have any highlights other than that in that match? Did you think at one point maybe there would have been a knockout punch other than maybe the girlfriend part that might have been a game changer that would have ended the match that way for you? No, I thought, no, I would say that one of the highlight spots, I would say that was not really the, the, I guess, um, I don't think how you, how you what, what position that move earlier. When he dropped him, he kind of did a little, um, I want to say it was like the little seesaw. I can't remember how you really positioned it. It was almost like a power bomb from the rope to the outside turn, to the apron. Okay, yeah. Yeah, where he landed right on the back of his neck and shoulders. And I'm like, (laughs) and and yeah, and that part of the ring, for those who don't know in wrestling, the apron is the hardest part of the ring. Because even with the padding in the ring, it's not that thick to begin with. But mm-hmm. at the edges is where the padding stops, and yeah. it goes down to that co- corner. So a, a neck injury—you really, you major neck injuries happen right there. And so when I saw that, I was, oh man, I was, this is not good. You know, that's that's just a horrible bump. Yeah, I, yeah, I was just like, nope, neck done, done. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> done. But uh, I, I thought for some stupid reason, and one of the, you know, in many of the jumps that 
Ricochet had made, I thought while Logan Paul was laying there, he was going to try to like do some kind of swing from the ground and hit him right before he got down and then do some cheap yeah. like roll over and then lay on top of him. Some stupid little thing like that. And you'd be like, uh, uh, okay. I, but we got brass nuts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, and the outside Spanish, the running Spanish fly was a nice highlight to the match. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was, so. that, that was, that was definitely one of the highlights. And I gotta say the vignette too, the vignette leading up to the match, they put it together really well. WWE always does that stuff. We know it's not going to fail, but sometimes mm -hmm. some of the vignettes just fall short and it was nice to relive that Royal Rumble moment again between them and kind of start that small little journey that you had to finish the story. Yeah. Because that's, that's, that's what this SummerSlam was, was so many of these stories finishing now and allowing people to go on to other things like yeah. our next yeah. match. <laughs> yeah. Rock and Cody. Speaking of, yeah, speaking of vignettes for that, I, I enjoyed it, but I thought the music was a really odd placement for that. So, well, how did you feel about it? My daughter kept laughing. She was like, it's like a really bad breakup, but like one of them died, but they hated each other before the one died and they couldn't reconcile. I was like, oh. I was like, what? I was like, oh, I'm going to cry. Cause it's just, it was so downtrodden. <laughs> and just like, yeah, I completely agree. They could, and for all the blood that was shed and all the, the injuries and the, the things they had to work around with this, for this to be like the lonesome goodbye. It, yes, yes. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, it was better than, I guess, boom power or something like that. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to hear that that uh, so much. Yeah, so and it, it started out how I kind of thought it would with Cody just throwing uh, everything to the wind and just firing everything he had at him. Um, and then yeah. Brock, you know, quickly taking control and just swapping him out of the air. Um, <laughs> and so, okay. I mean, it's... Uh, I, I, I really thought it was a probably one of those moments that most people aren't going to notice is it was a passing of the torch moment in wrestling. Really. Oh yeah. Oh. Uh, especially I mean, at the end. Yeah, it wasn't scripted. They said it wasn't scripted. So yeah. the whole handshake at the end of the match, that, that, that was right there. And then, you know, to see the triple crossroads pulled off, that, that was really, really crazy. And at that moment, I got to think, I got to say Brock Lesnar, more power to that man. Because he had his face buried deep in that man's pit. And that, yeah, right. You know, that while he was going for that ride, <laughs> that that was not the best of times. But that man sold it. Sold every bit of it. Soaked everything up into his beard. And took it like a man and shook that after. I, I just, there was so much. And the whole, I get, it got strange. It was like Brock was like, hey, we're going to make this a last man standing match. Just kept throwing him out. Yeah, yeah, and it's what it's amazing. Think? Brock is such an amazing athlete, and you know, with us knowing the sport, and if Brock wasn't ready to pass that torch, there's no way you know Cody would have beat that man. Um, you know, just an amazing athlete. Uh, he's one of those guys that recently we talked about. Like uh, you got Rick and Scott Steiner. Uh, yeah. the Steiner brothers, 
they were incredibly strong. And if they wanted to do something to you, it doesn't really matter if you wanted it to happen or not. It was going to happen. Uh, yeah. You couldn't stop them. And Brock's the no. same way. Brock's just raw power. Yeah. And, but, and then they always talk about that speed added to it. And that was, you know, a, a big aspect. That's, that's what a lot of people, that's what separated The Undertaker, honestly. You know, people didn't see a big guy like that able to jump off the ropes, walk, you know, do all the things that he was able to do. And that's more so looked at like you have to do that now, as opposed to that was phenomenal then. Yes. And Undertaker had that ability to know when to slow it down and when to speed. He didn't use his speed the whole time, even though he could, he only gave it to you in spurts. And so yep. that was him understanding that pacing uh, of a match. Um, and, and when I started learning wrestling, that was one of the things that I had learned from him, from someone that had worked with him is less is more, you know, um, yeah. because some, sometimes you get out there. I, I love I will say this. I have a love-hate relationship with AEW. And um, that relationship goes in the fact that sometimes there's just way too much going on in a match. They put way too much out there. Um, yeah. A guy, you know, when Cody Rhodes took three Canadian Destroyers and then kicked out, you know, that, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of a crazy amount um, to go through. Yeah, they talk about those fake finishes a lot too sometimes that now that there's so many fake finishes and that that's I think that I think this actually was Cody talking about why when he had Brody Lee destroy him. And I think that that was when that was that comment might have been brought up, but that that right there the fake finishes and there's so many of them like you see that like when you when just to bring it back up when Brock Lesnar planted Kurt Angle three times in that F5 like mm-hmm. you were just like, oh no! Like what just happened? Like that that was like that wasn't happening then. That wasn't the dominance. This not just one more and one more going. The great matches had it, you know. Maybe an Iron mm-hmm. Man match, but who wants to watch that with Bret Hart in it anymore? And yeah. at the same time, it was that that dominance again. And we've seen it, but Cody was able to kick out of it, whereas Kurt Angle couldn't kick out of it because of how dominant it was then. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, and Brock's gotten softer and easier to work with than he was when he was he first started. Oh yeah, um, I mean him and uh, and even Kurt Kurt Stone was one of the stiffest workers in the business, and mm. uh, and Brock was just naturally that that way too. Um, yeah. So so yeah, uh, so uh, that was. That was one of the better matches of the night, as far as storyline especially goes. Um, oh yeah, just yeah. I mean, without that song, we even I guess so. We get we we have the song. We're never going to forget it now. We'll, we'll yeah, never go download it and listen to it again. And if I ever hear it, anything <laughs> else again, going to change the channel. Yes. that's just that's it, we're done with that, and it's great. Just like we're going to move on to the next one, which is. The Slim Jim Battle Royal, and all it, I gotta feel bad that they threw a bunch of people in the ring and then they only gave out those few entrances. What did you think about that? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it's kind of hard. I, I kind of see it from 
a perspective of where you have so many matches and you already got a four hour event. How are you going to keep, if oh, yeah. you stretch it out too much more, people are going to be asleep anyway, or are they going to leave early? Um, mm -hmm. So I, I kind of see it from that point of view. That so, But yeah, there's some people that were, I think, honestly, I probably could have pulled that match completely and made a shorter, shorter match than having yeah. a four hour card. And put that yeah. because AJ and them deserve more than that, especially AJ Styles. I mean, there's uh, AJ Styles carrying cross. There's a lot of yeah. people that were in there that deserve their own time, even if they have to split some of the pay per views throughout the month. Or do some kind of sub shows that are like an online, like yeah. a Clash of the Champions they used to have on WCW that was on TV. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, yeah. I just think there were some of the better ways to use the talent just to throw it in there for filler. Yeah, yeah, and, and Triple H brought that up at the end, you know, when he talked about the events and, st and stuff like that. You bring it up now. It's, but you, you didn't even give Austin Theory. Like, and and you, they said that. They brought that up. They said that Austin Theory, your champ, was out there. He didn't have a match. It didn't even matter that he had a match. He didn't even get an, he didn't even get an entrance, and he's a champion. But everybody yeah. else, I mean, no, no, knock on LA Knight, yeah. We all, I love him. I, I'm totally yeah. down. I've been following him, you know, since Eli and the dummy stuff. And, you know, it really caught on. And, and then now it's just fire. And so he deserves that. But so did AJ. So did that. So a lot of those other wrestlers could have been in, let's say, a, you know, make it down to an eight man or a four man or a six man. Just do something like that. And just have those guys in it. And let the other people work those times. But, you know, they threw them out there, and that's what we got. Yeah. Now, not to branch off too far, so let me ask you a question. Since we brought up LA Knight, talk to me. Yeah. Tell yeah. me, how, how long before we see him in title contention at this point now? I mean, do, 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 they, do they ride this train with him and actually make him a star, or do they mess it up? You know, I think the timing's actually bad where they might just drop this ball and we've seen them do it. Right now, yeah. they're going into their off-season. They're going into Survivor Series. Nothing's really big going to happen to Royal Rumble. So, unless you're going to have LA Knight go over at the Royal Rumble, which is totally fine, and then build up a WrestleMania moment in Philly, that's fine. It works. It, that, that would be really one of the only ways you can do it. Other than you know, right now we still have Damien Priest with this suitcase, and he is a big factor. So, does he go after Seth himself? What happens with the Judgment Day? You know, we've seen, we all seen what we've seen last night in that Finn Balor and you know, Seth Rollins match. That is, that's pure gold. But where do they go with that? And what? And how does LA Knight fit in with that? And how does Cody Rhodes fit in with it? Seriously, yeah. Where, where, where does Cody Rhodes go right now? Right. Yeah, it is. It's a complicated road to navigate right now because you've got so because you know, or all assumptions would be we're going to see the bloodline feud continue to WrestleMania. So, so that that's kind of lined up where Roman's going to be. So that leaves Seth as the the question of where. And my Damian Cross, although I think he's an incredible competitor, and right now he's doing a great job with the Money in the Bank. I don't know that I could see him holding that belt and and keeping it entertaining. 
yeah. That, that's yeah. that's my hard hard part of there. Finn, yes, Finn has that ability to make. Uh, Balor can go from, I mean, the most incredible his NXT run that last NXT run where he was uh, the NXT champion was amazing. It's, it's I mean, he great. was a flawless competitor. And, He's always uh, been. Yeah. Um, Does that mean that the judgment day needs to break up? But they're not. They're right now so powerful. Like I thought that there was a chance at this pay-per-view, if they would have played their cards right, they could have Finn go over and come out on the bloodline at the end and take it from Roman and leave with that championship. I, I, I was like, you know, and then that would give them all, all four belts. I don't even, that's a crazy, crazy thing. And that's not the way it went. So here we go. We're back with this Finn Balor and we have Damian Priest kind of do it. But Damian Priest is going to tell him to his face real soon that Finn dropped the ball and he's not going to swallow that pill well. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I assume that's going to happen. We're probably going to hear that between on Monday. Um, yeah. So, so I, I'm curious to see how that is. And the whole thing, Rhea Ripley in that, that group, Rhea is so hot right now as far as, I mean, I, I don't know what else to do. Uh, my, my daughter loves her and every, Every competitor that I've talked yeah. to, female wise, that's that's they're on the top of her list is Rhea right now. Yeah, she really when she says Judgment Day runs raw, you believe it, you believe it, and she is bigger than Dom. So it's like oh, yeah. this isn't even just that; it's she's menacing. She has it, it right now. She has it. Yeah, yeah, and. and the women's competitors that it is between really her and Bianca Belair are the two mm-hmm. most legit female competitors on that roster. Yeah. That's um, that that's right there. Like when they match up, that's that's really good. And you know, there I see the other people they're trying to work in and like the Rod like Rodriguez, which she just gets on my nerves, man. She comes out and she does that act flex. Yeah. For me, you have to have an act like Austin Theory to do that. Yes, so it yes. bothers me. <laughs> yes, like if no, Ripley did that, five thousand muscles would jump out of her back. She comes out, you yes. see a couple dimples. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I completely I agree there. I, I watch it every time, and I'm like, there's, there's not much back muscle there. I, I, I she. But. I, you know what really gets me when she runs in the ring real quick and she runs up to the rope and does it real fast again. I'm like, no! No! <laughs> like, if she's going to trip one of these times, and I'm going to laugh a lot more than I laugh at Titus O'Neil. <laughs> <in the ring. laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. the poor, that poor guy, nobody's ever going to look at him the same when they, he starts to walk the ring and he's going to trip. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny because, you, you know, you have things like that happening you, with your background and going, and being in wrestling, you've had some mishaps happen. I remember the first time, and this is when I first started point fighting, we were sparring. I was sparring one of the black belt. And uh, she, she's, let's just say she's a goalie for soccer. So she's, you know, she's tough and she's got it. So she, she's the first person in my life. She kicked me in my chest, and my legs flew completely vertical out, <laughs> horizontal, out from underneath me, and I fell like that. 
And I was like, it just, I hit the ground. I was like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. And that was a whole nother world. But like, that's like that. When something like that happens, it's just, just true gold, true gold. So yeah. let's, uh, let's move along to this Rousey match and the Baszler match. We, we both, I think everybody was confused if there was going to be a way it goes that way. What did you overall think about it? Well, to be honest, full character, I I had already heard a lot of rumors that Rhonda was wanting out. She was had a hard date out, so I figured she was probably gonna uh, let this match go and drop it, and this may be the last time we see her. Um, yeah, and that that's kind of, and I'm okay with that. I'm I'll be honest, is I liked Ronda Rousey as the MMA fighter in her prime. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I have never enjoyed her in pro wrestling because for the fact that she, whether she didn't want to, but I want to say she refused to learn the art of pro wrestling. She didn't, Yeah. everything she did in the ring was still MMA moves. She didn't actually try to learn anything different. And uh, then they brought her in and let her destroy all women's division that had been grown and done quite good, quite well that time by Charlotte and Bailey and uh, Sasha Banks. And she just yeah. decimates and leaves it where she made no one look like they were capable of beating her ever. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, the case. Yeah. So at that point, I, I really was, I did not enjoy her at all. Uh, and so I, yeah. I'm kind of more glad to see uh, Shayna take that spotlight and you know mm-hmm. let Shayna run with that ball. Yeah, you know it wasn't it nice to hear her music again. You know, like you forgot yeah. how badass Shayna Baszler's music was. And you're like, yeah, man, this is what I'm talking about. This is this is you know, the Shayna Baszler that was. Hoarding everybody, choking people out, coming after Becky Lynch, coming after all the people, and then she just disappears and does this tag thing. I've always, one of my, I, I totally understand it, but one of my peeves has always been when like two superstars that are great single wrestlers get together and do like a tag team, like what's going on with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, what happened with Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho in the season of friendship or whatever that was back then. It, to me, it muddles them down. It still gives us our wrestlers that we love. So, yeah, let's let's have it. But for me, I want to see some of those wrestlers on the road to maybe winning a title or having a title and not having someone like Gable or somebody who doesn't really make it entertaining. Like, Guthrie makes it really entertaining right now holding the IC because I like his boys. They're all nerdy and they're just... they fit perfectly the music sounds good and every time Kuther comes out I literally insult that man's a bad ass and yes. what more like his face his walk his demeanor his style he don't give a shit yeah and so and I've watched some amazing matches uh you want to see some crazy things if you can look up um Excuse me, uh, Gunther. Well, it wasn't Gunther uh, at that time, but it was uh, in Darby Allen. 
together. Yeah, Walter. Yeah, but Human Darby <laughs> Allen. Wow. But uh, I'm not Darby took I, some, I'm, Darby I'm took a lot of punishment. <laughs> it's probably on those like videos that we watch because my daughter, my daughter, and my wife are huge into wrestling. That's what kind of really makes like the family structure that I have. We're huge into wrestling, and in the past couple years, my daughter's really got into football massively. Like this, she was happy about the NFL draft last year, but this year's NFL draft, she's like, "Yeah, man, I can't." And then she sized us all up for the change. I'm a Los Angeles Rams fan. The wife is a Pittsburgh Steeler fan. She was raising my daughter to be a Pittsburgh Steeler fan, and she is a Kansas City Chiefs fan. <laughs> so. The, the camaraderie we have with sports, the, what we do, family, that's practically been my thing. When you asked a question earlier about how like the podcast started and everything, also how wrestling started for me was my father. My father rented the first WrestleMania, like many other people's fathers. My father used to get the wings. He, he started these wrestling parties back then. And since then has passed the torch to me and me and my one friend would always flip up until COVID and, and then everybody got strange. So we've been having, you know, bigger crowds come through and everything, but there was a couple of pay-per-views. I had around 20 some people in this house just watching wrestling. It was peak. The wives would all come over and they would bring their scrapbook stuff and they'd be in this other room scrapbooking. But then you got my wife, she wants to see the event. So she's like, yo, I want to watch the wrestling too. I don't want scrapbook the whole time. <laughs> so that's exactly, it makes it so easy to, you know, for all of us to do this together. So when, you know, we're watching this and we're laughing and we're living moments and not enjoying this. And then by the end, the wife's over there going, come on, man, I just want this to end. Because you you brought up already, we talked briefly about the Oscar Flair Bianca Belair match. Like, yeah. what happened in that match? Was did Bianca get hurt? In your opinion, no, no. no I, I think that I think that was a work. Um, as far as there was, there was a lot of miscommunication uh, in the whole match. Mm -hmm. I just. I don't know what happened there. I, I want to say that, uh, you know, not to pull the curtain back too much, is a lot of that was um, they, they laid out a plan and then somebody got lost. And then yeah. neither, one, and neither one of them were able to pull it back on the rails because at that point. Um, yeah. You've been so that up really well. I, yeah. That, that would have been what, if from being a ring competitor, what I would have what I was watching would have been like, okay, somebody forgot their spot, they got lost, and then since there's three of them, mm -hmm. and I don't know, I don't really know how well Oscar communicates in English. So, okay. so if you, I would assume Oscar probably, uh, at best, is she kind of walks and talks as far as you kind of have to fill her out and just go with her. And exactly. If you've got, exactly. Yeah, and if you've got two other competitors that are, trying to work and you don't know what they're saying, if you're trying to get back on the rails, then, you know, mm -hmm. you might not get there. Uh, so, it, it, so that part may have been, maybe, maybe a three-person triple threat wasn't the best idea there. That's what one of the people at my, at 
the party last night said, they said, you know, I've never been a fan of the triple threat matches at some times. And I think that you just said it right there. That this was probably one of those spots that it felt like, you know, Bianca deserved her rematch. Flair worked her way in. Now we have this triple threat. And there was a lot. You brought that up correctly. And you said that they lost their ways. Because there was a lot of, like, when they were looking at each other, it did look lost. And then maybe that was how they just called it, do the, do the fake injury, have her come out, and then have Ido Sky cash in at the end. I mean, was that the original plan anyway in the end? Was it to be Yago wins and then Ido cashes in, and that's just the way it was supposed to go? But, yeah, it was, it was a strange match, and I think that that goes back to what we were saying is we had the highs and the lows, and this is where this valley came down, and then it took Roman Reigns like 40 minutes to walk to the ring. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, they should have like, kept him in the back of his butt a little bit more, but I, I knew that. Uh, we all knew that that was going to come out, and he's going to do that walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so talk about that match. Well, uh, I think it's probably one of the best storylines in wrestling history is definitely going to go down as the Bloodlines storyline. Long-term storytelling is an art that's been lost in wrestling as of late. Uh, and this is something that I, we got to say Triple H has, that is, this has been his hand on this project because Vince, Vince has gotten over the years where he's just, he's too fickle and he, he loses his patience on things. Mm-hmm. And so he just swaps. Um, and Hunter has been, I think, fought, fought this through him and Sean as far as the storytelling goes. And But this one has probably been the, the shining gem of his work. Because uh, you don't see, back in, if you go back into WCW, or Sting and Flair, you had that mm-hmm. long NWA ride where them and the horseman and Sting it was a long lead up to Sting finally taking that world title and it made oh, it man. worth it. Um, it did. I remember those days, man, just like the most of us, man, that, that just, just, that was, a, that was cause I was a huge, I've always been a big WWF slash WWE guy. My dad just raised me that way. It was, he called himself the Balkamania. He was, you know, he was bulk Hogan or, and he would go around and just, you know, put us in hurt moves and put us in the Texas tornado and claws. And yeah. he was doing all sorts, weird shit and i'm like yeah. okay dad you know <laughs> and that was the time and that's the one thing i learned about wcw was love dusty Rhodes and love sting and those were that was like when right when you were explaining that the whole horseman thing and then that's when i started hating the whole horseman because it didn't take long for anybody to hate the horseman when came into the end of that feud, and to see Sting finally go over that, that truly was magic back then, and that's when WCW had that match. Exactly. There, and so, and I think that that magic's what we're going to see with, you know, at the end of this, where Jay becomes the champion, and you're like, wow, you know, he's he's went yeah. through all this, and um, just like just like the road, Cody's going to go through. Cody's Cody mentioned it, and it, it's a dusty road. Hard times, baby. He's got to get through those hard times to make himself a better man. He does, and and he did go through those hard times because we've we've all seen the documentary. We've all 
we all know we've listened to him on a, multiple podcasts, and he's told different versions of all of these stories. And to step away, to not be happy with a character, and to go reinvent himself, and to come back and take control. It was, I can't remember which podcast as usual, because I hear it so much, but I want to say that he said that this allowed him to be Cody Rhodes. It allowed him to have control of his creativity. It allowed him to not be told that you're going to be stardust. And that was one of the biggest things that he said, you know, coming back was, was, was huge for him. And that, that shows, that shows huge in what's going on right now and what the WWE is presenting with Cody Rhodes for all of us to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, but the match itself was great. I I did expect, I mean, I, ex- I expected Solo to make an appearance, so that wasn't the biggest surprise. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and I knew, I knew we weren't going to get a win from him on this one because I knew we were going to go to WrestleMania for this. Um, yeah. I mean, you you just have to. At that big, big of a build-up, Roman has held that title for so long. It's got yeah. to be an epic moment. Everything's got to be right for that belt to swap hands at this point. I agree with that. And you brought up why Damien Priest would not work with that moment. It, it would make sense if the Judgment Day, because they, are right now, at the fractured state of the bloodline, you know, that also raises up, too. Maybe that makes the bloodline come back together. Maybe that's what brings them back together, is somebody like the Judgment Day showing up and shutting everything down their mouths and making them take a beating that they haven't received in a long time and then goes from there. That that would be crazy, but I don't see... That's no way that's happening right now. And so, therefore, it just puts Priest with Rollins. Yeah. And and that's yeah. that's fine. I'm fine with that, but it's still that's why sometimes they gotta figure out better why they, they need to put that that suitcase, give it to somebody better at times. Mm-hmm. You know, like was I have no doubt that Damien Priest has put in the work. You know, he comes from the monster factory and he worked his ass off growing up and getting to the point he was. We've seen the before pictures, the after pictures, you know, him becoming his character that he is now where he's believable where he's at that point but we we all need to see more to get at that level like paul Heyman was talking about after conference last night that roman reigns is truly on this level right now this spectacle right now he's right here to deal with the bloodline right now and solo coming out with him and to just make sure you cover for that, we saw what happened with Cody Rhodes. You know, there just isn't enough people to keep them down. So until you have a faction that's big enough to handle that, Owen's going to dominate. And since they're fractured, this is the only domination that, like you said, carrying over to WrestleMania. That seems like a very far away, but it's really not. And then that comes back to who wins the who wins the Royal Rumble. So Cody Rhodes was the Rumble again and goes after Seth Rollins then. And then we'll just see what happens with Priest after that. Something is going to present itself soon enough. And it's probably not going to come in the form of a Viper, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and I love Orton, but I think there could be a chance. Orton has been very injury-prone 
through his whole career. And at a certain point, I, I get it. Uh, he, he is smart. Maybe it is time for him to walk away. He's There's other avenues. He's been smart with his money. He's yep. not broke like a lot of the, a lot of the legends wound up. Um, so there's other things for him to do in the business as well, though. Yeah, I mean, he can definitely manage, and he worked well with Riddle. And what maybe this, maybe him coming back, maybe that's Hall of Fame. Maybe it's his Hall of Fame announcement, and that's that's where we get that walk away. Yeah, but uh, so or even even if they bring him in. It's one of those things, a general manager in the mm-hmm. NXT line or something along those lines like Sean. Sean's the guy that's over NXT right now. So yeah. I, I could definitely see that. Um, there's all I think there's he's earned his place there. And um, I've got yeah, I've got to work with people that trained with too, him. So. Yeah. So we we we, yeah. we, we would laugh when we were talking about training like you can you can step like Orton is a perfectionist. Every motion has to be perfect in the ring with him. So <laughs> I remember he's telling a story on Busted Open one time, and he was telling it about John Cena. And he said, "He said John Cena was, said tag me and tag me, and I'm gonna do a jump kick." And he's like, "This guy's gonna." He goes, "This motherfucker's gonna do a jump kick." And he goes out there and he says he puts out the worst jump kick in the world. He said that straight up live on Sirius XM. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I just like when he said that thought. I was like, oh man, Orton's a killer, man. He he yes. definitely. So hearing that he's a perfectionist and making fun of John Cena doing things like that, I could yeah. definitely see that. Yeah. I so I don't you know of course I don't work with anybody like that. The guys I work with, one of the guys that does a little training around here, of course, is he goes by Marcus Knight and. Uh, and then, of course, they have their, their pretty much their circle. Like, that's the John McChesney that I talk about. And he's been, he's been done some work with some WWE stuff, but he's, like, the champ around here. So when, like, he shows up, it's usually, like, for title a title bout. And then you probably haven't heard of Pretty Boy Smooth, have you? I haven't, no. Yeah. He's, he's, he's like, seven foot. He's a seven foot uh, uh, dude. And uh, he goes by, it's, Pretty much, he goes PB smooth. He does this whole little angle where he's like a ladies' man and stuff like that. He's pretty cool. I got to meet him the first time on set for the movie that I was in a couple of years ago, Pact of Vengeance. One of my senseis it was the director, so he gets a lot of the local talent with wrestling. So he actually got Diamante as part of the cast, and he got uh, Peter Avalon as part of the okay. uh, cast as well, too. And there was a spot with Marcus Knight where uh, Imante t- practically takes him out, and they do a whole little wrestling shoot to make it go down. So it, it was really neat seeing that whole blend of, again, wrestling going into the movies and how it can be used to sell those, that, that story at that moment, which kind of didn't end well for Mr. Knight. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> I died two and a half times in that movie, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, was, it, was, it was a riot. It, was, it looked good. It was, it, was, it was nice. I ended up getting shot by the hero, my, my sensei, and then I get shot by Peter Avalon, and then I'm randomly dead in another scene. They just said, we just need an extra dead guy, so there, there's my half dead. <laughs> 
because <laughs> I didn't really get shot or anything. I just laid there. But it was, it was, it was definitely a, a really crazy experience. And you know, bringing up that that whole last match and how you know going out there, a lot of maybe your audience or people that are watching this podcast anywhere right now or listening to it, whatever way they're listening to it. They, that DraftKings does a free poll for a lot of these big matches. So for this match, they had picked the winner, Jay Uso or Roman Reigns. It actually had like one word said, do you think the elders will show up? How many elders? Over one and a half elders or under one and a half elders? I got one question wrong. I'm waiting for the results because I, because you can, I, you, they'll give you like a free like $5 ticket sometimes. So it's kind of nice. It yeah. gives you a little incentive. For anybody that does wrestling and doesn't really want to do all that whole gambling crap, you get a free thing for wrestling, and it's fun. And it kind of gives you some different questions, angles, and kind of makes you think, like, once I read these questions, I look over, and I'm like, man, there's no way this dude is coming out. Because it'll throw in something something crazy, and you'll be like, there's just no way. It'll give you sometimes three answers. But if you've never checked it out yourself, or if you don't even do that, then that's something. I just thought I'd throw that out there because in my world, with the whole Dr. Roto and NXT Sports, that gets brought in. So then when I see that there's a chance to win money over some wrestling questions, why not answer them, right? Yeah, right. So yeah, well, that's good information. I'm sure everybody on here will love to hear about that. And so we will try to get together, and I'll, I'll try to include some of that in the comments and links, too, uh, so we can link some yeah, of that information. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just pretty cool. But yeah, that's that's yeah. that's what that's where we go. So, all right. So let's go five star rating then. How would you in the? How would you rate the end of the night? The end of the night, based on what I saw, going back over the whole pay per view, there were some spots. I would give it give it a three. That's it's three for me. Yeah, I, I'd say that three three and a half was. We're odd land, so that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Yep, yeah. that's I, I went between three, three and a half as well too. Figuring out, you know, which spots would really put that over. You know, we had so much end. You know, Rousey going away, Brock going away, and all those different things. And then, of course, the bloodline continue on with that amazing story. That you know, maybe that right there, maybe that does put it to half. So I'll say, yeah, let's do it. Three and a half. That's okay. a good pay per view. Awesome. Well, um, I guess we're about 54 minutes in, so let me, uh, as far as um, my audience, how will they, let's, let's talk about Bring the Pain um, and mm-hmm. how they will follow you, and we'll, we'll get some links together there too, but you kind of tell them about where they can find you on social media. All right. You can find me on Twitter at Bring the Pain at Heat Override. You see it right there. It's just a regular O. You can usually find me with the double zero. My podcast is on drrodo.com. That's all sports. It's all seasonal, best ball, dynasty, fantasy football stuff. So if you're into that sort of stuff, you can go there. We have a ton of free content. So you don't have to really commit long term. You just can go in, check out a lot of my podcasts. My podcasts especially are always free. So you get all the crazy sports talk for me, like you've already experienced yourself. And then on the side, I also do, when I do podcasts like this, 
and I have guests on like yourself in the future, Rocky, because I'm going to have to have you on the show too. And when you Absolutely. come on, you know, we can do our thing and we're going to throw it together. And that, that right there is where you'll find all my work and everything. And then, of course, at Bring the Pain on Facebook, but mostly Twitter. Twitter's where you find me a lot of at. And how about you? Because I know there's some of my people out there that are going to be like, who's this guy? Who's this, who's this crazy wrestling guy that finally got together with Pete Override and wanted to bring the pain? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It takes a lot of gusto to come out because that's, that's how I like to like come at it. So tell us about yourself, Rocky. So I am known as the 12-gauge Rocky Shaw. I am the next Georgia legend. I am available on Twitter. Uh, at uh, I believe it's at the twelve gauge Instagram is Rocky Shaw Jr. Um, Rocky Shaw Jr. As far as on Facebook, and you can also find me as the twelve gauge uh, Rocky Shaw on Facebook. Um, and then when you go to YouTube, it is the twelve gauge uh, Rocky Shaw. Uh, we are available on all the major platforms uh, as far as YouTube, Spotify, uh, you name it. I'm there. Um, so yeah, come join us. And, uh, as we always say, beware the 12 gauge. Oh yeah. You just, you just reminded me about the YouTube too. I'm heat override there. You're going to get some gaming though, Rocky. If you come to my Twitch too, at heat override, I, that's where I do a lot of my gaming for Diablo four. We're going to have to talk about that real soon. We're going to have to get some double simulcast going with that gaming too, because you know, when you get, when you want to destroy some monsters, earn some levels, grind some things, and bring the pain. There's only that's one fun. place, one stop shop that you can bring that at, and that's when you bring the pain and the gauge together, and you make the greatest tag team in the world. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! All right. Sounds great. Well, if you'll hang tight, as far as when we end this, and we'll make sure that all the audio uploads and then we'll edit out the end of this for us. Let's see here. <laughs>